0: I'm Sandra Skoboda, and this is Curiosity, where WDET finds the answers to your questions about everything Detroit. 57-year-old Tom Batts is curious about something he remembers hearing during his childhood.
1: Was there a military bomber plane crash on the east side of Detroit in the mid to late 50s?
0: Tom grew up in Gross Point Park, just a few blocks from the Detroit border. He recalls being in grade school and listening to his parents and classmates discussing some kind of accident in a nearby Detroit neighborhood.
1: Nobody I heard talk about it actually witnessed it or was part of it. But they knew people that lived in the area, and um, it was terrifying from what they said.
2: I remember a huge boom and then sirens, fire
0: engines, police cars, Anne Leck says it was terrifying when on October 24, 1958, a British Vulcan aircraft crashed just a few blocks from where she lived in Detroit. Leck was 12 years old at the time. And my
2: baby sister was a year old, and it woke her up from her nap. I don't remember if I felt anything at the time, but I didn't have anything in my,
0: in my history that I could compare it to. The British jet was flying from England to Nebraska on a training mission when it had a catastrophic electrical failure over Canada. It was unable to reach any airport, and it plummeted into three houses along a Detroit canal on Ashland Avenue. That's the boom that Anne and hundreds of other people heard and felt. The plane, an Avro Vulcan strategic bomber, was part of a Royal Air Force bomber command squadron based north of London. In the 1950s, the Cold War was fueling a race for military supremacy. And the British designed the Vulcan jet in that effort.
3: The Vulcan was part of a RAF mission in 1947 to create a bomber that could travel 500 miles an hour, go 1,500 miles, and carry a single 10,000-pound bomb. So essentially, they wanted a high-altitude nuclear bomber.
0: That's Marty Tibbetts. He's a founder of the World Heritage Air Museum, which is based at Oakland International Airport in Waterford. Tibbetts is familiar with the Vulcan. He says in designing the plane, engineers chose to rely on a simple electrical system instead of a better combination of electrical and hydraulic. Investigators would later determine that when this particular Vulcan's electrical system failed, the lack of backup power caused the crash.
3: They had a big battery, and the battery was supposed to give you 20 additional minutes ...of flight to get the airplane on the ground before it stops flying and basically makes a big hole. That's pretty much what happened in this case.
0: But they didn't get the 20 minutes.
3: No, they didn't get the 20 minutes. In this case, there was a short in the bus, and there was a single electrical bus, which is today would be considered unfathomable, especially with a single point of failure like this. It shorted out. They got about three minutes.
0: When the Vulcan plummeted into Detroit that day in 1958, it hit three houses and damaged dozens more. Emergency workers from Detroit and Gross Point Park responded. Hospitals prepared for scores of casualties, but somehow no one on the ground was seriously hurt. The crew of six, however, was killed. The East Side neighborhood, if you look closely, still tells the story of the accident. Nicole de Beaufort recently bought a ranch house that's on the site of the crash.
2: You can see that um, on this side of the street, the houses tend to be newer because this is the side that the plane landed on. How did you first learn about the plane crash here? We did a little research and we discovered online that um, this is where that had happened.
0: And what did you think I'm buying a house where a plane went down? You know, I didn't think too deeply
2: about it. Uh, I didn't think about things like ghosts or anything like that. That wouldn't have bothered me. I thought it was kind of interesting to be in a place that was affected by a tragedy. Um, gave us pause, made us think about the lives that were lost.
0: The former owner of the home has told De Beaufort that he found pieces of the plane when he worked in the yard.
2: The next nail or piece of glass that comes up, I'll probably wonder, is this from that crash or is this just a regular old piece of uh, debris <laughs> that got lost in time?
0: I took listener Tom Batts to visit Nicole's neighborhood, and we also went to the final resting place for the remains of the six men on the plane's crew. They're at the Oak Ridge Cemetery on Telegraph Road near West Road south of Detroit. We met cemetery owner, Alan Bradford. He says visitors regularly come to pay respects to the crew.
1: What I understand is the British believe that where you die is where you lie, and they buried all the uh, airmen here at the cemetery. And then every Memorial Day, the Canadian Legion comes out and they have a service right here for the airmen. And then uh, one of the relatives has come out, a widow of one of the airmen, and she leaves flowers on every once in a while down here too.
0: Tom and I found the six graves, one for each of the crew on the plane. There's a British flag flying over them, and someone recently left flowers for Flight Lieutenant Brian Peacock. A bouquet was resting against his gray headstone. These are the markers from the plane crash you were asking about, Tom.
1: It's pretty remarkable to um, start with, a, you know, what I thought was a rumor or maybe an old legend, and now it's, it's reality. It's, it's pretty cool.
0: What's it like to be here in the final resting place for the crew?
1: I don't know. I said earlier it's kind of emotional. It it is. Uh, These are young guys. They're in their 20s and 30s. and I'm I'm grateful no one died on the ground. Uh, It's amazing that that nobody was killed on the ground.
0: For more about the crash, visit WDET.org slash curious. There, you can let us know what you're curious about in Metro Detroit. Thanks for listening. I'm Sandra Swoboda.